Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Life Chats with Lucas podcast. This is our first conversation that we're going to have as part of the podcast. And I'm very excited to be joined by Dominic Ennio. Now, for those who don't know, he is my uncle, but he's so much more than that. And he has so much insight into so many different areas. And he's here to join us today to talk about all of that. So before we start, I'm just going to give him the floor. And before we start getting into the topics, I just want you to tell me a little bit about your life, your career, and just little tidbits about you. All right. Well, it's good to be uh, in grassy Ontario, uh, Lucas, with you. I'm really looking forward to doing this with you. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, Lucas, I've been 30 years as an IT professional and um, uh, started as a programmer and very quickly became a project manager and then a program manager and have led you know large multi-million dollar initiatives uh, in the IT world. Um, I loved that part of my job. I loved doing that because it allowed me to work with hardware, software, networks because I loved all of it and being a program manager allowed me to kind of do that. I'm on sabbatical now. Yeah, I finished a contract in March, like one day before they shut down the country and um, yeah. You know, I went on sabbatical and I wasn't happy about them shutting down the country, by the way. I wanted the country for myself. Yeah. And all of a sudden, everybody else was with me walking up and down the streets at two o'clock right. in the afternoon, right? So anyway, but I'm on, still on sabbatical and trying to figure out where I go next and trying some, some things out, prototyping some different uh, ideas I've been wanting to do for a while. So that's kind of what I do in the, was doing in the day shift. May go back to that one day. We'll see what, what, what God has in mind for me there. But in the night shift, I spent a lot of, t- I still do spend a lot of time in doing ministry work. Um, I have uh, spent over 20 years doing youth ministry work here in the community. Um, love doing that, speaking to youth, speaking at high schools, uh, speaking at ministry groups, spoke a couple of times over the summer at the Gethsemane Center in Welland. You know, just trying to um, share the good news of the gospel of Jesus wherever I can. I love that. And um, yeah, that's, that's kind of me. I'm married for 35 years coming in May. Two amazing children. Um, one married in St. Catharines, a chiropractor. She's married to a um, a businessman who runs a carpentry um, cabinetry business and my daughter who's a lawyer in downtown Hamilton and uh, yeah so life's good that's great that and that's I can verify all of that that's all true and that's <laughs> all, all true all factual <laughs> that's all fact check true now speaking about fact checks uh, we're gonna go over a few topics today but I do and I have promised people on the podcast that when we will have a podcast I'll be talking about trending topics going on from news, culture, society. Yeah. And obviously the big topic of this week was the presidential debate that happened yeah. a few nights ago. And I'm going to give my opinion, but I want your take first. Yeah. Just give me a quick rundown of what you thought that debate was and what it was like. It was uh, such a waste of time. Yeah. Uh (laughs) It was like, you know, a waste of time. I literally felt guilty after thinking, uh, is this the best way to use my God-given creative talents? Sit here and watch these guys yell at each other for for whatever it was, an hour and a half. Waste of time. So I watched the debate and I listened to the analysis after. So it's obvious that, yeah, Trump started off way too many interruptions. It was constant. So he starts this debate, and this is just factual, this is objective stuff, because I never said I was going to give my opinion on the podcast, but just kind of an analysis, a brief overlook of it, he interrupted a lot. I think it was two to one. 
Sure. He interrupted twice for every time Biden. So, so there were, it was both and, sides. And, but he and was, Biden was not innocent in the interruption factor, no. but no. Trump just was odd. And I guess the analysis of it or what his team was telling him was go into the debate, pick away at Joe because he's vulnerable. And if you just try to confuse him, he's going to crack. And to Biden's credit, I got to say, he came into the, that debate and he was actually pretty stable. He remembered everything. He was, you know, a couple stumbles during the debate, but he was very strong. Yeah, he was awake. Yeah. He was and, definitely awake. And I... <laughs> I'll give him that. He was awake. Absolutely. And I, I actually think that if, if there was a winner in the debate, he has the slight edge. Because uh, from what I understand... Yeah, give me your take on but, that. So, I, you know, to say there's a winner in this debate... So Trump interrupts twice to the amount... Of, to, to every once that, that right. Biden interrupts. But Biden's interruptions were, um, you know... They were both bad. Let me just be, put perspective sure. on Sure. But Biden called the President of the United States a clown. Um, Biden told him to shut up. Um, I don't think he handled it with, you know, appropriate presidential sure. decorum either. Well, we knew right from the very start when he walks onto the stage and he's like, how's it going, man? Right. <laughs> that this was going to be a very interesting debate. He was, ready. He was winding up, yeah. I thought <laughs> yes. that's what he said, you know? I asked Jen if that's what he said, and that's indeed what he said. So, um, yeah, so there, there, there's that, right? Yeah. He, he was kind of, he, he was not interrupting as much, but it hit, some of his uh, interruptions were pretty, pretty rude and pretty nasty. I mean... I think it was, did, did Biden win? It was like that Trump lost an opportunity to win. I, can, I don't know how you can say Biden won. Here are two 75-whatever-year-old guys, right? Yeah. And, and one's got crazy, over-the-top energy, vitality, and sure. strength, right? That he cannot control. Yeah. Right? He, he basically can't control it. He can't control it emotionally. He can't control it physically. It's just out of control, right? Yeah. Like, and then here you got another guy. Yeah, no, he wasn't. He, he was actually maybe a little bit like Sleepy Joe. or He, he, he wasn't, was subdued. He was subdued, but yeah. he was definitely not Dementia Joe or whatever all no. the other stuff was. That I think that's nonsense. But on the other hand, he was so subdued. You can see the difference in energy level, strength, uh, vitality, vigor, and all that yeah. stuff. Uh, I can't remember which commentator, but I really, you know, after watching several commentators and, and my own opinion, and mine lines up with this commentary, com this commentary, which is this. He, he didn't, there was no real winner. Trump didn't win. He didn't seize the opportunity. What he could have did was been more intelligent in his interruptions, because if Joe would have been allowed to speak a little bit more, I think we would have really got what's going on here. A very leftist, left of liberal kind of agenda that they've got planned there and and potentially would have saw that you know he would maybe was struggling a little bit to get that message out sure and i and i agree with most of that now i would just say that within just hours after that debate finished his campaign said that they raised like over 10 million dollars uh, joe's campaign joe's campaign yeah. and i guess the way i was looking at it was that in 2016 when it was trump and hillary and those just fantastic debates. And I don't think this one lived up to those debates, no, which was not. which were no. just incredible, right? They were that was must see TV. But I guess the thing is Hillary Clinton was a very strong personality. She was somebody that could fight back. She was sharp. She was tough. Yeah. So when Donald Trump would have almost a bully persona, right? Because yeah. that's what it kind of was, nobody really minded it as much because Hillary was fighting back too. They were both that's going really at point. each other. Yeah. And the issue with Biden, maybe Maybe not the issue, but 
He's just, he looked weak. He looked soft. He looked nice. He looked like a nice guy being attacked by this mean bully president who is just pounding him. (laughs) Relentlessly. Relentlessly. And it wasn't like when you'd be watching the Hillary debate and it was like, oh yeah, he got her. And yeah, yeah, that's what we wanted. This one looked more like, you know, he was, he's an old guy and he seems like a nice guy and he's been in politics for a long time and he was just being absolutely hammered yeah. by Donald Trump. Yeah. President Trump. Yeah. And you know what? The, the, the most disappointing part of it is you can't get a sense of either one of the policies, right? You just don't get a, an, an understanding. And even Trump, he, you know, the, uh, his arguments or his explanations would be something like with the race issue where they change that, what... You know, he signed an executive order on what schools can um, yeah. teach with respect to race. It, the previous rule was insane. I mean, it's it, it's like it was written by imbeciles. You don't get any understanding of what, you know, was yeah. actually being debated there. It yeah. was just high-level rhetoric about nothing, and you'd learn nothing. Chris Wallace, <clears throat> moderator... Uh, from Fox News, yeah. so kind of dispels the left-wing idea that, you know, this was some right-wing guy. But at the same time, when you're looking at Chris Wallace, good job? Or was he on Team Biden? Uh, you know what? Uh, so, so it, what, two or three times he said, Mr. President, I think you're interrupting more. Yeah. Uh, so, yes, I'm speaking to you directly. <laughs> Which, well, but the fact of the matter was that he was. Yeah. So, so there's that side of it. But on the other side, you know, could he... Could he have maybe challenged Joe Biden a little bit more on packing the Supreme Court? Like he kind of let that slip. Yeah. Um, you know, um, could he challenge him a little bit more uh, when Biden, you know, he, he did actually. He, he asked probably two or three times about whether Biden himself called some of the people in Portland uh, to see if he could influence them and, and try to change what was going on in the streets there and try to get the protests to calm down a little bit. He, yeah. he didn't answer that question. So, I mean, I think he did a pretty good job considering what he was dealing with there. I think what I'm hearing right now uh, from the uh, election uh, committee or whatever that, that organization is called yeah. is that they're thinking about having the mute button. Right. And I think that's fair. Cutting like, audio. Just have them cut the audio yeah. while that one guy gets his two minutes. And then, right. you know, for the two minutes where they get to scrap, scrap away. and Yeah, like, I, I, I got to be honest. I think... He didn't have a terrible debate, uh, Chris Wallace. I don't think he was a terrible moderator. I actually kind of felt bad for him. I, I, I saw an interview he did the next day, and, and, and after he did the debate in 2016, which was so widely praised, he did that yeah. third debate that actually went heavy on issues. Yeah. You know, I, 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 I know he was saying that it was just a complete waste of time, and it was such a disappointment, and to a certain extent, I think he was right, and I did kind of feel well, bad. And the participants break the rules. Over and over and over For again. sure. And the referee has no um, authority, no ability to control yeah. it. Then how do you blame the guy? I mean, he tried to do what he could. And... But for CNN to come out and just slam the guy, I mean, it's so <laughs> silly. I, I did watch some post-debate coverage, right? And I know on ABC, because I, I was watching ABC, I, I heard George Stephanopoulos say, well, that was just the worst debate I've ever seen in my life. And I thought, well, you know, I'm probably maybe fair, but then you you kind of hear the analysis and it definitely becomes a little one-sided. And the big one that they were fixated on was this not condemning white supremacy and there yeah. was this Proud Boys thing. <laughs> and they are just fixated yeah. on this issue. Stand by. And <clears throat> to a certain extent, yeah. I, I don't understand why 
he, I don't know if he didn't hear the question, but I think he was hearing most of the questions that night. So I don't know why, you know, the president just didn't come out and say, it's like, so I, I, absolutely, I absolutely condemn this. It's so aggravating, but he came out, he comes out and says it the next day, right. but it's too late. There's so much damage done. It's so aggravating. And absolutely. here's my thing. Like, here's my thing on, on, so the, the debate, the debate. Yeah. The problem with the debate. Yeah. They're yelling at each other. Hey, if they're yelling at each other and we get to understand the issues better. Great. But you don't. He's calling them a clown. He's telling them to shut up. He's yeah. telling them he's wrong. He's wrong. He's like, so you don't get to learn the issues. So that's what's really the problem with the debate. You don't get to hear the issues. So we have to fix the format so that we can understand the issues on both sides. So we could, we, not we in Canada, but yeah. they in the United States can make their, their, their decision. But I, here's my bigger point on, yeah. on presidential politics. Okay. Because I've, I've been trying to figure this out now for the last, let's say, eight years. <clears throat> the idea of the republic. And having a president in the first place has got to be the stupidest idea in the history of humanity. But I can't figure it out. It's already hard enough to make rules, yeah. right? And now you have to have a Congress that's of one particular party, a Senate that's of one particular party. And let's say you do. Well, the, the, the other party's uh, president is just going to veto whatever you just put through. Yeah. They get nothing done. It's, it's got, you got three levels of this, uh, you know, needing to have a majority and to get something done. So they don't get very much done. There's constant gridlock. Yeah. Right. So, so here in Canada, we got Trudeau, right? And it's a minority government at that. Right. But he says, you know what? I'm going to give uh, $2,000 to everyone who's 18 year olds. I don't even 18 year old, 19 year olds. Kids are going to university. People who have jobs, waitresses, everybody in the airline. Industry, everybody's getting money. And he does it overnight. Right, we got Pelosi and um, and uh, all these guys trying to figure out how to get their packages out there and their trillion dollar packages, and it takes weeks, yeah. and and you know they don't get it done. No. Um, it, it's really really uh, amazing. Any laws that they try to get through there have to have Congress and the president. So Absolutely. And I, go ahead. Sorry, one of the other things that they really want control of, at least maybe one side more than the other, but both sides very involved in this, and this not only pivots to one of the questions of the debate, but also to our next topic, which was the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court is a very controversial topic right now, obviously, because yeah. of the death of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. But not only that, but now they want control of the Supreme Court, not only for just judicial ideas, but for political ideas. And that's what the court has become. So I just want to get your take on the Supreme Court situation i want to get your take on what you think of the new justice mm -hmm. and i want to get your take on if you think that they should nominate push through this person amy coney barrett before the election well you know uh, the one thing trump did say that made a lot of sense on on the debate night was i'm elected for president for four years uh the fact that mcconnell uh, used language last time to prevent uh, merrick garland from even getting a vote well, hey, like I was just saying, that's the way it goes. Yeah. The president is Democrat. The Senate is Republican. Sorry, you ain't going to get your pick in. That's how it works in every other parliamentary system. I know you're not parliamentary, but that's the way it works. So, hey, this is four years. The fact that he said that, I mean, the one who really got cornered here is Lindsey Graham. Because Lindsey Graham comes out and says, mark my words, check the tape. We will not vote on a SCOTUS if, you know, one is nominated. But, like, he changed his mind. Right. Hey, like, like a politician. That's what yeah. they do. Okay, and so so first of all, uh, in terms of bringing her forward, uh, absolutely one hundred percent agree. I mean, 
whether it's an election year or not an election, whether what they're saying votes have started or not started, not an issue. Whether the other party's hypocritical or not, wow, welcome to your life. That's your job. Yeah. Deal with the deal with the hypocrisy. Uh, so yeah, I think we should put her through. Uh, yeah, I think there should be a vote. Yeah, like you, you so you know me. I'm a Catholic. Uh, she's a Catholic, and um, like uh, you, you know, I. I I obviously kind of lean a little bit more towards some of the things she's written and, 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 and believes in when it comes to life, when it comes to what the Supreme Court should be doing and should not be doing, uh, whether they're going a little bit beyond their mandate like they possibly did with um, Obamacare. Sure. Um, for sure. Like, I mean, I kind of lean towards that way. She's a constitutionalist. It's like decide what this, what we're just interpret the Constitution. That's all we're trying to do. So I'm, I'm, I'm all kind of for that. And a very smart lady. You know, like Notre Dame, top of the class, professor, yeah. study, uh, practices law at this big law firm, then decides she wants to go back into teaching, yeah. right? Like, so she's got a fascinating story, not to mention mom, seven kids. Like, it's a, it's a fascinating kids, story. Two, two adopted from Haiti. From Haiti. Oh, man, and that's another thing I wanted to talk to you about. Haiti, Haiti yes. which, which we have to pivot to, too. Wow. But, um... Two yeah. adopted kids from Haiti, and yeah, and you know, a mom and all that other type of stuff. Obviously, she's very smart. Yeah, there, there, there's you know, absolutely. Yeah. And and when you think about it, when you think of modern day feminism, this is somebody that embodies yeah. all of it. Yeah, like a, a working mother, big fam. Like it, it's a great. I think it's a great story. Now I know, I, I don't think most people would dispute that. I think most people have the issue with her political views or her legal views that they don't agree with. And I think that's what it ultimately comes down to. I, but I think we, we, we talked about this another time when, when we were together that, you know, you can't really ever tell how these judges are going to vote. No. John Roberts, who supposedly was a, um, I guess, he's not a far, he's maybe right moderate. center. Yeah. Moderate, right of center. Yeah. But he's voted left to center yeah. uh, a few times. So it's hard to tell how these people are going to vote. It's about how they're interpreting the Constitution. So, I mean, you know, here, here's the question that I'm having, really. Um, is it is it actually good for Trump that they push her through? So this is what I mean. So Lindsey Graham saying he's going to start the process on the twelfth, which is Monday the twelfth, right? Intro yeah. day, a couple of days of questioning, and he thinks he's going to get it out of his committee by October twenty second. It goes to McConnell. So October twenty second, it goes to the master, right, <laughs> Mitch McConnell, and he's got to get the votes. Apparently, he's already figured this out and he's got the votes. So yeah. let's say they get her nomination approved before election day. Okay. Is that good? Well, I, the reason I ask is like, there's a lot of one issue voters out there that puts the court six, three, if we're going to kind of score that way, puts the court six, three more conservative. Yeah. A lot of these one issue voters were only voting for, only voting for him before because they knew Kennedy might retire. They knew RBG, something might happen. You know, they knew Scalia's seat was coming up. Absolutely. So they were voting for him because, okay, we got to get these judges in. Now, there is the other perspective, which is that if he doesn't win, and with the mail-in ballot COVID situation, there could be a constitutional crisis. Like, yeah. they may not actually have a president for right. a long period of time. Right. So they may need a Supreme Court decision. And they but, may need a tiebreaker other than John Roberts. Right. right. Who, who could, who could go, right. Who's uh, unpredictable. Exactly. Yeah, I know. I definitely want the nine guy, the ninth person there. Yeah. But the question is, let me ask you this question. Okay. Let's say they get her through. Let's say you're a one-issue voter in, let, let's use a city like Dallas or somewhere like that that's starting to lean liberal. And, you know, you, eh, you, know, you were voting for him because, like, we got to deal with this Supreme Court thing. It's a right. Mess, so I'm voting for him. I don't care. Well, it's done. It's 6-3. 
No, I don't think anybody's on the verge of retirement or anything like that. That court's probably set for no. a while. Do I vote for Trump? Well, from what I understand, Clarence Thomas is in his 70s. True. Alito's in his 70s. If mm. they get a two-term, you know, they may retire towards the end of that term and they try to confirm, confirm somebody that's yeah. 48 years old like yeah. she is. On top of that, I, I would have to look at it and say, if I'm a, if I'm a single-issue voter, a promise has been kept. So they did exactly what they said they oh, were so going to do. Promise has been kept, so I got to vote for him again. If you're looking at a politician's track record, I right. think that does constitute something. Tweets aside, y accusations sure. aside, <laughs> yes, right, and, and there are failure to um, yes. to debate performance aside. <laughs> <laughs> no, we got to vote for him. Yeah, he did that one thing for us. Yeah, yeah. Okay, you know she's in for a tough hallway. She is. She's yeah. in for a tough haul. Do you think it's going to be as tough as the Brett Kavanaugh hearing? I don't see how it could be because she's a woman. So I mean, right. I just think that they, they can't they can't line up eight different assault accusers yeah. against yeah yeah not gonna be sexist or anything like that but it's hard to, yeah. to do that with no. women I mean just to think the way some of us have been raised and some of them have been raised they'd have a hard time with but you know I saw a quote the other day calling her beliefs repugnant and appalling and and, and listen to what uh, listen to what I don't know if you saw this um, what uh, Bill Maher yeah what Bill Maher said about her he said you know. Uh, she's an effing nut. And listen, I, I, I actually printed this out. So, and this is what he said, quote, religion. I was right about that too, he continued. Amy Coet Barrett, Catholic, really Catholic. I mean, really, really Catholic, like speaking in tongues. <laughs> like she doesn't even believe in condoms, et cetera, et cetera, right? Yeah. I mean, she, you know what? That, that really bothers me a little bit because especially that quote I read or that tweet I read where someone called her, her beliefs appalling and repugnant. I mean, I'm a Catholic. Does that make me appalling and repugnant? Repugnant? Like, um, and she's make, faced a lot of it. Does that make me effing nuts? Like, what? What's with these celebrities and these guys? Like, you know, just driving, driving our decision making and driving our thinking with this kind of rhetoric out there all the time. It really, really bothers me that people would say that about somebody because of their religious beliefs. Yeah. Right. And, and you have to do pause. And this is also completely an objective statement and people that are maybe one-sided do need to think about this if you turn the tables and used any other minority religion would it be the same if you were saying that about a muslim my gosh yeah right calling them effing nuts yeah repugnant repugnant and appalling. you know it should be condemned for <laughs> exactly what it is right yeah. and it's like religious bigotry right but right. this one goes unnoticed. And, and it doesn't, I don't think, matter what your political beliefs are. Of course, it does, to a certain extent, does, because you'll, you, you will either like her or not based on her philosophies. But it really should be understood that that is, like, crazy. To, yeah, yeah. It, it just speaks to how much it's, it, everything is about, it's like a popularity contest. It's, yeah. It's, you know, um, the 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 partisan media is is manipulating our thinking um whether it's cnn and huffington post on one side um whether it's fox news and breitbart on the other side i mean i, I listen and watch both so i can figure out what the middle is but yeah. both of them are so far on the sides that it's horrible and we got people out there making their decisions about how they're going to live their life making their decisions about how they're going to vote basically 
based on all this partisanship that they watch every night or listen to or read to on their, read on their phones, right? Yeah. And, and over and above that, um, you know, you're trying to watch a basketball game, right? And, and we've got to get... We've got to get LeBron James is scratching out "Make America Great Again" and, and is on his hat and and kind of scratching it out, striking yeah. it out. We got to listen to Chance the Rapper, who comes in as a, and to talk about why we should vote for Biden. I mean, what's yeah. with that? I've like, always I, I've always had a little bit of uh, I've always liked Chance the Rapper. I mean, he's a really <laughs> he's awesome, one of the guys. Young, one of the smart, guys I've kind of liked. Yeah, and he's a yeah. Christian guy. But okay, so smart, young, influential guy, obviously very talented. Right? Yeah. Well, okay, what, why is it the NBA has collected all these Democrats that come on their halftime shows, and, and why does it sound like they have such a Democratic agenda? What's with this brand manipulation that they're doing with us? Well, and that's a great way to, to segue into to the, the next topic, which I said because I wanted to talk about sports with you as well. And I was just telling you before we started, there's this guy on Fox, yeah. um, used to be on Fox Sports, now he's at a, a place called Outkick. His name's Jason Whitlock. And he's had this big pushback against what the NBA is doing. And his big one last week, he got a lot of flack for this, was that he called out an ESPN sideline reporter. And he kind of, she's, she's a basketball analysis for their inside the NBA mm -hmm. program. Mm -hmm. And they all basically had this big kind of show after the Breonna Taylor verdict. Mm -hmm. And he said, you're going down the road of turning sport into politics mm -hmm. and people at home that are sitting on their couch wanting to watch a game mm -hmm. do not really want to hear your perspective. That doesn't mean you can't have your perspective, but it does mean that maybe you should talk about basketball instead of, you know, BLM, the organization. So uh, he's gotten a lot of flack for it. He's an interesting guy because he offers a different take on a lot of this, but you know, celebrity opinions are very present in today's society. I mean, we're we're going to get educated, right? We're going to get educated on issues um, um, and uh, get our debate points on issues from Shaquille O'Neal and Charles Barkley. Who had great analysis, by the way. Charles, really actually, interesting Barkley, analysis. He was kind of like the Don Cherry of the NBA. Because <laughs> yes. like, he actually speaks what he really thinks. He does. He's not actually trying to, yeah. to push an agenda. He's just got, a, he's got an opinion and he lets it fly. I, I watched the Inside the NBA show on TNT mm. anytime over at yeah. ESPN show. Because it's just so much more interesting because they have a lot of... They have a lot more different opinions. Yeah, okay. So it, it is entertaining. Yeah. It is fun. Every once in a while, uh, they actually speak intelligently about basketball. Because, you know, half the time they don't do that either. It's just about, you know, right. putting out very major, like, uh, soundbite opinions out there to kind of get a yeah. whole bunch of clicks going in, in the after shows. Um, but here, here's the thing. Um, so, so we're going to get educated by these guys. Right? We're going to get educated by LeBron James's tweets. By yeah. the King LeBron's tweets and by the Queen Beyonce's tweets. Like, we're going to get educated, but no, no, right? So I just railed on Bill Maher a little bit. I, like, I think he was unfair in what he said about Amy Coney Barrett. And yep. ultimately said about me, because, you know, right. I'm a Catholic of that type as well. Um, you know, so I was just railing on him. But, like, uh, you know, he, he did something good, too. I saw him the other night. He had Bakari Sellers and Coleman Hughes. For those of you who don't know, Coleman Hughes is like a, he's like a sociologist, a philosopher, a young kind of academic. He's got a podcast. And, he, I mean, he's a thinker. And he's not exactly buying the whole BLM movement. He's not exactly buying anything having to do with the race discussion we're having 
in in the NBA circles or in the more popular circles. Right. He's kind of saying like, wait a minute. Um, sorry, you're going to say something. Well, I was just going to say, I think, and I'm going to go back to this because I want to find out more about this guy, but I think the biggest issue that we have and the messaging aspect of it is that BLM is two separate things, right? That's like, it. so you have BLM, the hashtag, yeah, the movement, right. yeah, which, you know, is a personal choice. It's a personal, yeah. personal preference. You can do it. You can support it, whatever. Yeah. And then you have BLM, the organization, which is a completely different thing. Totally. So I, I just want to point that out because I think people don't understand that when people maybe push back against BLM, right. there isn't just one BLM. It, BLM is not just the hashtag. BLM also consists of this movement that is really radical to a certain extent. Yeah, I mean, they're against the, the organization, as you say. The BLM organization is against the nuclear family, it's yeah. against patriarchal organizations, all this type of stuff. I think they just recently took that down because they there did. was from their website. Didn't yes, they? they did. Yeah, so so that's good. That's progress for them. Yeah. Uh, the movement itself. I mean, here, here's the point. Again, are we going to get educated and get our debate points from these from these basketball players or from very partisan um, television programs and and websites? Or giving Bill Maher a little bit of credit here, he brings Coleman Hughes on. You know, who's got a, a very different, unpopular perspective of the BLM movement and what's going on with race uh, issues in the United States. And Bakari Sellers, who's a CNN um, pundit and, you know, but still relatively educated on these topics. And they, they're having it out one night on his show, right? And, and um, I loved it because every time Bakari Sellers came on and said, well, look what they did to that cop. Look what they did to George Floyd. Look what they did to that, this guy. Uh, Bakari, uh, sorry, uh, that's Bakari Sellers saying that. Coleman Hughes would say, well, you're cherry-picking guys. I can cherry-pick just as many white guys who had that stuff happen to them. So what's your point? Because let's get this. Look at the data. Let's look at the numbers. And even Bill Maher was saying, let's look at the data. Let's look at the numbers. Here's what's happening in the white communities or to white guys and versus black guys. Here's how many times these guys are abused versus those guys are abused. Um, the point being, they actually were able to calmly, for the most part, find, most part, find areas of agreement. Like where they said, okay, you know what? It's maybe... It's maybe mostly about police accountability. Right. Which is so rare in, yeah. in politics where you can just actually have a discussion where, you in know. In society. In, in in absolutely. Any, yeah. Right. And I would argue that's why podcasts, you know, why these guys on podcasts are so successful because people aren't getting any information from watching a cable news show yeah. because it's so one-sided. Now, that's an interesting take. And I, I think that's really interesting now, it's not really about what celebrities, you know, celebrities can have their opinions. The issue is it starts, it, it becomes their opinions are viewed as gospel. And do they deserve, they have a platform, but do they deserve that sort of, uh, I'm trying to find the word. but Attention. Do they, yeah. Do uh, they deserve that level of attention, that platform? Focus, that, that size yeah. of platform. Oh, so here's, it, here's the problem. It's, it's the easiest platform we have. I mean, we have phones. We can go. We have phones with us. We can we can go and flip open a podcast and listen to Coleman Hughes's perspective and Candace Jones's perspective. You may agree with them, not agree with them, but they're different than the prevailing popular perspectives we're getting on the very simple way to get our news. Click. Yeah. yeah. It's still the simple way to eat dinner, right? <laughs> you put your plate down. You can eat. You don't have to move your phone, and you can sit there and you can let these guys feed. Right. 
So I, 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 even myself, I think, why am I listening to these guys? Like, I mean, I, I could really just flip over here and watch something different right. on my phone. But you know what? I'm eating and I got a fork in my hand and it's hard to do that. <laughs> That's about the best I could come up with. Yeah. Right? But the, the platform that's being delivered on, the NBA Finals, CNN News, uh, they're just massive platforms, right? And, and they're also available on our phones and everything. So I think it's right now the easiest way to get for people to get their information is to turn on the TV still. Now, I'll shift to sports a little bit because the NBA Finals is on right now. I just checked the score because I was following the game a little bit yesterday, but I've been more watching baseball. So I actually didn't know who won the game yesterday, but LA won the game yesterday. So LeBron's team yeah. up one nothing in the series. Yeah. Are, are the Lakers going to win? Oh my gosh, this, this, this is not even... Uh, yeah, contest. And I think they lost two key players yesterday, uh, uh, Dragic and... Um, Miami. Yeah. yeah. And Bam went down as well. So whether, if they don't play, they're out. Even if they do play. Um, listen, there were only two teams that could have be, beat the Lakers. And one was, one was the Clippers uh, because um, they, they, they had a struggle with Anthony Davis as well, but they, they could pretty much right. bottle up LeBron. So that, that's solid. And they had Kawhi, who's a top-notch. Top-notch. Yeah. That's right. I mean, they could bottle up LeBron. And not bottle him up, but contain him. Yeah. Uh, right now, what he's done with the last two teams, he's just been able to barrel into the key and score almost at will. And so the Clippers would have been able to stop him. And I'll tell you what, the other team, only other team was the Toronto Raptors. And, and that's really they, Yeah. That's because Serge Ibaka is a good antidote. You, you don't think anthem. Boston could have contained LA? No, I, I don't. So, so Boston, so Boston, okay. I think the challenge with Boston, so when I trade every Raptor, position by position, I've already gone through this on another show, but I trade uh, every Raptor, position by position, for every Boston player. No problem. Talent-wise. Okay. Talent-wise, for sure. Heart-wise, it's also pretty close. That's why they kind of beat, that's why they beat us. But you know their best player, uh, they they just don't know how to get over the the edge yet. So I don't think they would have been able to beat. Like I don't, I think that team's going to be great for a long time. Actually, yeah, they're going to win the championship. Yeah. yeah. So there's no question about it. They're they're just not a hundred percent ready. But man, you beat a team like the Raptors, right? I think they were beat up, not physically but mentally. Uh, and then to go into an exact same series like they had to do with the Heat, to play the exact same way, they just yeah. battle you with guts. And battle you right. with, you know, toughness. I think they just kind of got one down. The Raptors could have beaten the Heat, in your opinion? Oh, the Raptors would have beaten the Heat. Uh, you know, we struggled with them earlier in the year, but we started to figure them out through the course of the year. We, uh, no problem, no question. You want to hear celeb? You want to hear really a really good conspiracy theory? So here's my theory, right? I think the NBA knew that. Uh, you know, when we were trying to win the championship last year and ultimately won, remember everybody used to say, oh, Toronto can't make the finals because it's really bad for, for television ratings. Right. And the refs are all against us. Yeah. So in the bubble, I kind of think that Pascal Siakam's food was like tampered with. And so was LeBron. And so was Kawhi's. Because to dribble the ball five times off your knee in game seven, like, I mean, seriously. Yeah. That was ridiculous. It, it, okay. It was. That's my conspiracy theory. It was an under. It, he underperformed. Uh, Pascal. that. Or his food was spiked but, <laughs> every day he was in that bubble. He kept getting yeah. worse and worse and worse. That's true. You know? Orlando, maybe just not the ideal place to be for a long time. I don't know. No, I've, I've never been to Orlando. So I think but. seriously what happened to him was that uh, apparently he was stuck in Toronto. With visa issues, he couldn't get to the United States. He wasn't allowed to go into a gym in Toronto where these other guys were getting gyms and working out and stuff. So okay. as a, as a round-the-clock, round-the-year kind of workout guy... 
he actually went apparently two months without basketball at all. And it really hurt him. I mean, as soon as he went in the bubble, it looked like something was wrong, right? So, but I really think that, that was, those are the only two teams that could have beat the, the Lakers. Uh, there's no way Miami, I don't even think they win a game. Maybe they're tough, but no. um, they, they don't win. Now, baseball. You know, I know we said we'll, we'll use baseball as the great equalizer. It's because amazing. It's like every, everybody can kind of find something to agree with uh, when it comes to baseball. Yeah. But, so the Jays are gone. Yeah. They're done. That was fast. Like a total sweep. <laughs> I, I don't really know if I like the whole three-game series where it's like yeah. you just have two games and you're done. Well, previously the wild card was only one game, right? So, right. Yeah, so that, that's as, as painful. This was a little less painful. At least it lasted two days. Sure. Instead of so, one. And, and they had a top-notch pitcher pitching, and he just got smashed. You say baseball is the great equalizer. So our star pitcher, Hunjing Ryu, right? Yeah. He's shaped like a pear. Okay, he doesn't look like he's ever lifted a weight in his life. He's probably, what, 25 pounds overweight? Oh, yeah, for sure. But he's by far best pitcher, area 2.79 or something like that. Like, I mean, this stud, right? He's done excellent. But he comes out yesterday, and he's got no fastball. He's got to hit the fastball, at least 92, 93. He was hitting 89, right? They knew they had a problem right away. If he can't get that inside fastball, and like you're done like dinner because you're going to basically lob him into those guys. So he was really struggling. But you know what? Here's the amazing thing about that sport, right? LeBron James is like, not fair. It's just not fair. They shouldn't let six, nine guys who are 255 pounds, who would run the 40 in the Olympics or the 100 meter dash in the Olympics yeah. play. I mean, they're freaks of nature and they're yeah. so dominant, right? So in baseball, you got these overweight guys pitching, right? I love our catcher, five foot eight, <laughs> Alexander Kirk, five foot eight, 265 pounds. Yeah. The dude can swing the bat and he can run. Oh man, and who's the guy? The guy that used to play for Boston, David Ortiz. Yeah. Who was pop. like this just big guy, big not yeah. exactly yeah. a... Yeah, I tell you, you want your kids to play football growing up and, and you know, having mental kind of um, uh, uh, concussion issues, <laughs> you know, yeah. by the time they're in university, they've been concussed, I don't know how many times. One of the one of the ex players of the of the, the Buffalo Bills, uh, Joe Delamalur, said he would never want his grandchildren uh, to play football. Uh, no, and you know I think about basketball. It's it's just such an unfair sport from size and athletic capability. Like it's really hard to play if you're short. You're, yeah. You're, uh, but baseball like is the great equalizer. I it love is. It. Like anybody and everybody can play. It Looking forward to actually uh, you know a woman making the the, the major league baseball um, uh, making a team. Is that. Well, I think it's possible. It's not really possible, I think, in any other sport. Well, I, I know the comparison is always the NBA to the WNBA, and they'll play a clip or something, yeah. and it's just like, yeah, that that's never going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. with WNBA, to its, you know, it's a good league, you know, yeah. it has a lot of, lot of talent. But when, you, when they have these clips and they're like yeah. shooting and it's missing and they can't hit a layup and then they try to lay up again and it doesn't go. And then like, it looks like me playing basketball. And it's like, if these people were ever in like this, this will never happen. <laughs> like it, it's yeah. just impossible. Yeah. But in baseball, you can see, um, you know, a woman with speed, a woman who can handle the, you know, the fastball. Apparently she's going to have to do that. And, and to be able to slash that ball around the field, base hit, you know, yeah, I think it can happen for sure. Um, looking forward to that happening, actually. I mean, but I cannot see it happening in the other sport. Like I say, baseball is a great equalizer. It's amazing. You know what else is amazing about baseball? Okay? It's like, what? I don't know, 150 years old. However old that sport is. Yeah. They still have a lot of close plays at first base. It's like a mathematically, like this brilliant invention of, I don't know, of God, I guess. 
They have so many close plays on the double play. They have so many close plays at home. But how do they do that? It's such a strategic sport. And I really enjoy, I, I got to say, I really enjoy watching it. And I really have started to enjoy watching it. And I'll get your take right now. I was looking at the betting odds yeah. um, for this season. And they're saying it's the Dodgers over the Tampa Bay Rays. Yeah. Is that, that's Yeah, I, you know, I think what they lead in ERA, they lead in home, and they think just Dodgers are killing it all over the field. So, um, but you know what? Um, it's seven games. You know, baseball is really interesting from another way, right? And I haven't checked. So I would have to check how they, and it also depends on how they do in their preliminary series to see how their starting pitchers line up against each other. Right. Right? But it's a seven game series. So there's a lot more time for things to equal out, and all things being equal, I would, you know, think that the Dodgers would be a favorite there. Uh, because baseball, like in this two-game series with the Jays, I thought they could win. I thought they could win both games in sweep and a one-versus-eight matchup. Right. Because it's so pitching dominant, right? Yeah. Um, whereas, uh, you know, uh, in a seven-game series, you know, Tampa was going to win. Yeah. You know, just base- Although, historically, the Jays have been more of a team that kind of comes back. You know, this was a good season, but it, yeah. it has nothing on those on those seasons, the Jose days, uh, Edwin flat flip days. Oh yeah. my! Oh my gosh! Yeah, the 2015-2016 seasons yeah, were, were just electric, right? Yeah, they were. Fun. And those games, I, I think it was the first year that first that you know when they had just made the playoffs, yeah. like millions of people were watching yeah. every game, and they were playing Texas yeah. in the first round, and they went down 0-2. In Toronto. That's right. And then they went to Texas and they won both games. Yeah. And then they came back to Toronto and then there was like the bad flip. Yeah. And it was, it's a fantastic memory. And I, and I loved that series. Yeah. The, every, like everybody hated at the Texas Rangers. Yeah. Like they were like this really yeah. mean, arrogant team. Yeah. And, and, and when Jose got that home run, just what yeah. an incredible, incredible series that was. And, and those were close games against Kansas City. I mean, they could have went to the World Series. That was and and, and if it wasn't for David Price, who was supposed to be this premier pitcher, mm-hmm. who couldn't win a playoff game, he struggled. Yeah, he it, struggled. It, it, and left. Yeah, and left right. The but a, the apparently wanted to stay, and they didn't offer him a yeah. contract. Uh, oh, good. Boston offered him a ton of money. And yeah. still, there, there's no salary cap thing. Right, and uh, he didn't last in Boston long. Glow, no, right? Because I think yeah. he opted out this year. He didn't. Even, he didn't. He didn't even play this year. No, he opted out. And he yeah. didn't want to play in the. You know, I don't follow too much about David Price's career, but I do got to say, has he ever won a playoff game? Did he? Did he yeah, I think he won one last year. Okay, so he yeah. did break yeah. that record. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's a great wrap up on baseball. Um, I'm going to ask you your predictions for the debate uh, for the election because. I know you oh, have. I know you have a lot I, of analysis I, on that. I, I actually, you, you've been preparing for this one, this blue wave that you have envisioned, right? Yeah, you know what. <clears throat> so I'm going to speak only about the presidential side because it's it's hard to follow all those multiple senator and congressional races. That's yeah. kind of tough. But so so he wins last time in 2016. You know, he takes Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, etc. Right, and <clears throat> he wins what by. I can't remember exactly, 13,000, 45,000, maybe 85,000, whatever. So I figure, it's just my very simple. I'm looking at the polls, obviously. Um, you know, it, it looks like he, Trump is catching up a little bit, but he's behind in all those swing states. Looks like he's ahead a little bit in Florida. Um, but polls aside, I mean, obviously the polls let everybody down, and, you know, you need a, a conglomerate of polls to really get an idea of what 
You do. And the one that I always watched in 2016 was the LA Times poll. They had this little daily tracker thing, and it actually always had Trump ahead six points. That one has Biden up, I think, nine points now. It's a very broad poll. So you got to factor out, you got to, there's got to be a margin of error of about four or five. Yeah. But even with that, Biden still has the edge. On top of that, the one thing that I understand that the Trump camp has really tried to do is win over just, and it doesn't need to be an overwhelming, but they're trying to get black support to about probably 15 to 20. And I know that sounds so low, but that would be monumental for a, a Republican president Mm -hmm. and if they can hit hispanic support at 35 to 40 that's extraordinary Mm -hmm. so i I don't know i've looked at the polls they seem there seems to be an uptick in the minority vote for trump right but he's lost a lot of that extra base um Mm -hmm. he's completely down with seniors Mm -hmm. and he's also down with um rural white suburban voters that used to sorry rural voters white down and he's also down big with suburban voters, women specifically. Yeah, which I think make up a lot of the Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, those swing states. And so my very simple math is this. He won by, let's, that, that's, that's kind of like a razor thin margin, right? Which like one? 13,000, 45,000. Yeah, those, those, those are states, close. Those, those yeah. are really close. And let's say he loses, you know, from from the, the tweets that people don't appreciate, from from the accusations, whether they're true or false, um, from you know just the amount of negative press he gets regularly from the mainstream media. Let's say it's easily convinced 25% of those people that voted for him last time, uh, some of those demographics you mentioned, to not vote for him this time. <clears throat> and I've seen you know, anecdotal interviews of them, it's obviously not scientific, but you kind of get the sense that a lot of them were soured by the man. Yeah. Maybe not so much the policy. The, right. right. When you look at the, the, presi- the, the president's policies specifically, objectively has kept a lot of the promises that he said he was going to do. Yeah, you know, I think everything In that sense, not, not a traditional politician, not somebody that says, you know, to the suburban voter, you know, I'm going to be with you, and then, you know, completely forgets. Well, he, you, you know, know I, I would argue I, that I think he's kind of tried to to keep that but i guess it's just people are conflicted with the fact when they see joe you know hugging a woman that had a family member die of covid and they see trump you know basically saying well you shouldn't wear a mask and if you touch it you know you're gonna you're right like they they just they can't handle the difference the uh the personality traits they can't handle the personalities they can't handle the 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 man the the man that he is really i mean it's just completely different but that's why they voted for him for the first time they did and 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 i I gotta challenge you though and he did what he said so the two big things i think were build that wall build that wall and i don't think he built that wall or depending on 300 feet of it or three kilometers yeah i don't even know now because i'm objective i'm not going to share my opinions on the wall but you know yeah, okay it, and then you know it, it was a promise do... and he did sure and he lost a lot of that more hardline yeah conservative support over that yeah but you know put all that aside to me the only it's a simple math game and it's wisconsin pennsylvania michigan all those states that we talked about right. and if even 50 percent of those people swing the other way 25 if it is 50 then he lost all that vote yeah. because they went the other side yeah um you know is he did did he get enough that increased black support. Did he get enough increase uh, in 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 this in the uh, other minority support? Jeez, ah, I don't know. It doesn't sound like it from the polls today. So just right. my simple math is he's not going to win those states. 
the question for me though is is that going to be known to us on election night of November 3rd or do we got to yeah. wait a month and a half to see that and you know all I, I of- think that's what's going to happen I, I, I don't think we're going to know and I think they've made that very clear like from what I've seen on TV and, and from what I've the videos I've watched it's people are very upfront with the fact that that, it might be a while. On that election night, we are not going to know. Because mostly won. Republicans are mostly voting they in person, and, and Democrats then, are mostly voting in. in right, yeah. and the mail trickers trickles in over the span of, you know, we. I don't know if they're going to have a limit on this. Like, I, I really don't. So, here, so here's the wild card. If he loses Florida, and that seems to be obvious on election night, it's over. Yeah, he... I, I know the campaign he has Florida, said he's, it's over. Right? I, I know the campaign has said that. Well, there's ways we could go around Florida, but if he, those ways around Florida would mean he need he needs to win every Rust Belt state. Yeah, right. And he needs to win New Hampshire, and he <laughs> needs to keep Arizona where he's down. Yeah, yeah. He's got to flip Nevada, yeah. Nevada, Nevada, Nevada. I don't know how they Potato pronounce Nevada. it. Yeah, um, and and I don't know. Their internal polls say. He's up in a lot of these states, which the mainstream polls don't say. Yeah. But in the last election, those internal polls for them came, you know, were pretty accurate. So I, I, I don't know. They, they always say, the campaign always says there's that hidden Trump voter that, you know, won't have the sign on the front of their lawn that goes to yeah, their... Goes, culture. Right, that goes to work and just laughs along and doesn't say anything or, you know, and, and then on election day, they, you they know, vote. they express their opinion yeah, and it's vote. completely different than what anybody would expect. So, so let's say the NBA is successful and they get a lot of young, um, and maybe even not so young African American men, right. To go out and vote because they typically don't. But let's say all of the promotion, and that's all good, everybody should vote. Yeah. But we know typically, uh, at least from what we're seeing from the NBA and some of those organizations, that vote's gonna go to the Democratic Party. Sure. And 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 it goes into cities like Milwaukee, and it goes into cities like- Urban areas, yeah. Into those urban areas. Like, okay. how does he win those states if 25% of those people that were voting for him before are now just turned off Well, from what I understand, and, and I, again, this was a For poll. a person who doesn't have opinion, you have opinion on this. Well, I'm sensitive. Well, objective opinion from what I've read. Okay. Yes, okay. because I don't need this tape to come up in 15 years if I have a job and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be fired. Oh, I'm gonna be, yeah, maybe the world will be dead. No. But um, from what I understand, his support among black men is, is fairly high for a Republican. It's, it's when he really lacks, it's, it's with black women. Yeah. Like okay. they, they just do not like him at all. Right. So I, I, I don't know if the NBA would have an impact on that. No, I mean, I don't mean just, I'm just using them as an example, I, I but it, it's popular culture. Sure. I'll call it that. That is kind of out there pretty much pushing the democratic idea and the democratic party and sure. Biden and mainstream media and all that stuff. Um, I mean, yes, there's a Fox news. But there's an ABC, NBC, yeah. MSNBC, CNN. It's like all over the place. Washington Post, New York Times. It's like endless, right? Yeah. How many outlets they have on their side. Well, and you know, I got to be honest because I feel that I'm a pretty objective person. I feel like I look at things and I'll make a decision. And, you know, maybe I'll have a personal preference, but I won't say that because, you know, I just don't believe that's the role that I have doing the podcast. But it's like you watch CNN. And these people who profess to be hardcore journalists, 
and it's like they are completely one-sided when you watch analysis from them and it's it's mind-boggling because you think just call yourself a commentator then just call yourself a political analysis but don't call yourself a journalist because yeah, it's not fair to we're real journalists, journalists and and we're we just present the facts, Mr. Lemon says every night. Right. Like, as journalists, can you, can you believe just, that just that guy facts. considers himself to be a journalist? Yeah, so, but this is the thing, right? And it, But listen, so if we're going to put Don Lemon against Sean Hannity, it's, it's, they're probably equally as, um, uh, I don't want to say bad, but they're equally as well, they're both polarizing not and both yeah. equally not pol- journalists. No. And both equally taking things out of context in their presentations to, pr- to, to prove their points and their stories. And you can't tell the truth from them. Yeah. Right? And it's really, really frustrating. Like we said earlier, like this is just not the way we need to be educated on these issues. We need yeah. to find another way. Uh, I, I like what Bill Maher did that one night. I love what some of the podcast guys are doing. Let's get people on both sides on. Let's talk about it. Let's get educated people right. on. Let's not get... You know, these somebody that attracts ratings. Yeah, or you somebody know, that draws uh, flex. Yeah. What does Cher say? This is what Cher says about uh, the SCOTUS uh, election. I'm sorry, we're going way back on this point here. But she says something like, kids are going to die because they're not going to get medicines. Yeah. yeah if we go, like, what is that? Yeah. So anybody who's... And a sh- completely goes unchecked. <laughs> it's right? unchecked. It's, it's and, and, just, and it just rampant. Never mind unchecked. I completely agree. Now, I'm at 54 minutes. Wow. Which, you know, I, I always I texted you and I said, don't worry, it'll be a 25 minute interview. <laughs> we're wow. 54 minutes later. Um, so we'll wrap up. Now, I was just going to say that I'll wrap up by saying that this year before COVID, we were supposed to go on a little mission trip. We were supposed yeah. to go to Haiti and I was looking forward to it. Um, we were going to be making videos and we were going to invest in microphones and we were going to invest in like, we had this nice camera. We were going to do a report from Haiti about the economic situation, about, uh, watching these communities, watching us and watching the people in the community come together, the faith element, the community element, the gardening element, right? Cause there was all of that. So I was looking forward to that. COVID kind of canceled that, but you you have done a lot of mission trips before. So just for my audience mm. um, that wonders about, you know, if they should do it, just give me your quick thoughts on that and, and what I missed because of that. Yeah, COVID. so first of all, to you and your team, uh, uh, you know, actually collected almost $20,000 yes. right from your volunteer work and uh, your fundraising. And that we did get to send that to Haiti, although we didn't get to physically bring it there. Right. So that, that gave food to, I think, about 232 families, something like that. We're going to build another cement house for somebody who lives in a, you know, a, a, a shack. Uh, so great work to you and your team for doing that. I mean, I think the, 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 the beauty of these mission trips for kids your age is this, right? Like you get a chance to be outside your comfort zone. You get a chance to go and not go in, in to, to build up your resume because we checked that with you guys and that's why we did this trip we wanted to do this trip this year we saw a bunch of people who wanted to go because they wanted to you know uh to, to, to help the poor and and um and they see the face of jesus christ in the poor they don't just see their resume so right. that's what made you guys special and when you get an opportunity with a group of kids that go there the kids themselves get a chance to get outside their comfort zone and see, see what's going on in the world. I mean, Haiti is a cluster fudge of a mess. Well, uh, man, politically, I was, I was, racially, they got sure. some significant racial problems there with skin color, yeah. um, etc. Um, so it would have been great for you guys to see that, to minister there. Um, it would have been awesome. We didn't get the chance. Uh, maybe you and I will get a chance to go there again in another form and another maybe way. Maybe one day. I know you have a lot coming up in your life, so, you know, 
we'll, we'll keep it on hold. But yeah. um, no, I'll just say before we wrap up, I, I was reading about Haiti and just a fascinating history. It, yeah. it, it's got to be one country that just has such a fall from grace. Yeah. And when you look at what they were and top main export of yeah. so much. Yeah. And then just over time and not only their faults, I would argue, but just. No, they paid for their freedom. They paid right. for it for like, I don't know how many decades, yeah. right? They and paid they Napoleon were just, for freedom rather than right. the revolution. And I mean, all their money went there yeah. uh, to the French up until I think the 70s. I can't remember exactly what the story. Your friend Philip could probably fill us in on yes. that. But um yeah, so it's a really sad story, and you know, um, so pray for them. Our, you know, our good friend uh, Brian Schmidt, uh, Vice President of Operations at uh, Vineland Estates here in the Niagara area, has a farming community there that he started. Uh, he's trying to train them uh, on on farming techniques. Obviously, he he knows how to do that. He runs the vineyards here. Uh, does so much work for them. What a great guy, and he was a big help to us when we we're in our fundraising. Um, so look him up on, um, on uh, Facebook and, um, Instagram and whatnot and follow him because he, he's just doing great work with those people down there. Well, guys. that is great. And I would just wrap up by saying, I guess when you talk about that and you think about that and, and maybe if you see that, if you go, but just even just hearing about it, you realize how big the world is and how many opportunities there are. And you, and you kind of pity people and even ourselves when we get caught up in, political arguments or, or just little petty things mm. and you see that there's so much more that can be done there's so many people that we can help and i think that you know try and this is for everybody this is for me this is you know just try to make the best of your time and try to really understand that your time can be used to so much more than fighting somebody on twitter you know what i mean so yeah. I, yeah. I think that that's a really nice way to wrap up so i just want to thank you for coming on the podcast because I said October 20, uh, I said October 2020 we were going to start having guests on and I know a lot a lot of people actually have kind of got in contact and they want to come on but I wanted you to come on first because I know you've always been so inter you've always been so helpful in, in just kind of my interests in this in podcasting in media so I want to and I, I was happy to have you on first and you came up and I was really happy to see that and I thank you for coming on the podcast a podcast which by the way followers listeners was number 88 in canada last week it was trending number 88 so it was in the top 100 and it was 132 in the society and pod in the society and culture yeah category so I, I, I just wanted to share that. That's a little plug for the well, podcast. Life Chats with Lugas, but, well, for me <laughs> but thank you for coming on. It's a pleasure to be here with you. And I look forward to being here. I hope you have me back on the day when I you will. are number one rated podcast <laughs> in, in Canada. Well, that may take some time, but maybe in the top 10. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> top 10, okay. All okay. Right. okay. And uh, we may have to have you on even, you know, after the election to find out what happens and get your take on all of that. But anyway, thank you for coming on. Thank you for doing this. And I had a lot of fun doing it. Thanks, Lucas.